You're listening to the Super Talk podcast, produced by the Australian Institute of Superannuation Trustees, shaping profit to member super. Hello and welcome to Super Talk. Today we're looking at the global property marketplace with an eye on the United States. We've drafted in a guest host for you today. It's Jared Noonan, chair of Media Super and also the director at The New Daily. Here he is in conversation with Anne Cole, Global Head of Real Estate Client Strategy at JP Morgan Asset Management. So, um, Anne, uh, why should Australian super funds consider investment in US property, especially after the quite bad experience that many of them suffered as a result of the subprime crisis and the uh, the global financial in the global financial crisis just only a decade ago. So, what's what's attractive about U.S. property at the moment? Well, I mean, I think that I mean, generally speaking, in the, in the global financial crisis, I think almost all economies suffered. Australia was unique and in, in not having a recession during that period. Um, but if, I think if you look at the U.S. markets and the recovery, has been quite strong. Um, and I think that when you step back and you think about just simply from a portfolio perspective is that the U.S. markets provide you with a very well-diversified portfolio, um, particularly when you add that alongside an Australian portfolio. Um, It provides lower correlations relative to your equities and your fixed income um, portfolios and anything else that you might have from a real estate perspective. So there's, you know, I think it provides you some tremendous portfolio benefits that ultimately provide you with lower risk. That's the diversification argument. But given that we're in a mature property cycle, which subsectors and perhaps in which regions present um, an opportunity? So so given where we are in the cycle, and I would call it the very mature part of the cycle, I'm not sure if we can call it the the, the end of the cycle um, at this point, but so in the mature part of the cycle is that as as one is is putting their portfolio together or looking at their portfolio, they should be shoring up their risk. And what I mean by that is that making sure that they focus on quality assets in the portfolio, quality markets in the portfolio, um, and that's no different for real estate. And so as you go further out the cycle, we think it makes the case for dialing back that risk, focus on more core, core assets, core locations, um, and um, strength of markets. As we think about the U.S. and we think about um, where there is continued, um, we see continued economic growth opportunities. Partnering up that core asset in these types of markets, I think, is would provide you with a very strong portfolio. And so, when we think about those markets, certainly the West Coast markets of the United States. So, as you go down the West, you know, go down or up the West Coast, and you know, L.A., San Francisco, Seattle, for sure. Uh, we like um, markets like Boston. Um, where we see a lot of good dynamism um, in that market, driven primarily by the biotech industry. Um, we do like markets like Dallas that have been a very low-cost opportunity for, a low-cost alternative, I should say, for, um, for companies who are looking to, uh, to move out of the higher-cost markets like the, and higher-tax markets like a Chicago. 
Um, and recipients of that have been Dallas and, and Raleigh and Charlotte um, and Atlanta. So we do like those markets. Um, you know, when we then think about going into those markets, it's not that uh, everything is a good opportunity. Then we're going to be more discerning about, okay, well, do we like office in that market or do we like multifamily in that market? Do we like industrial in that market? Do we like retail? Um, and that becomes a, then a secondary conversation as to how do you invest in those markets. Um, uh, during your address this morning to the conference, um, you made mention of the attractions of various cities in the United States. One of them was Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Tell us about Los Angeles. Sure. So Los Angeles is one of our, our stronger growth markets um, as you look across the United States. And the reason for that is um, is content. So you know you always think about Los Angeles from a Hollywood perspective and, and the celebrities. But really, Holly, uh, Hollywood is, has been uh, paired up now with technology. And Los Angeles is where all the content that is being um, that's needed for all the streaming that we are all doing um, on our d- different devices is all coming out of Los Angeles. And so um, you're really seeing tremendous amount of growth um, in that market. Never mind the fact that all the typical drivers we've always seen from Los Angeles are also continuing um, to provide strength. So, um, so we do really like the Los Angeles market, broadly speaking. Let's get to the issue of performance, um, in particular yeah. long-term performance. So your address to the conference, I got the impression that you were rather sceptical about the performance in the retail areas. So eager to have you talk that one through, but what, what do you think the long-term performance for the various subsectors like industrial and uh, commercial, um, even residential, mm-hmm. and retail are likely to be? Sure. So, And I'll focus on the U.S. markets um, yes, when sure. I talk about the different sectors. Um, let's start with industrial. So industrial has been generating double-digit returns for most investors over the last several years, driven by the demand from e-commerce. Um, Industrial historically is one of those sectors that it's been difficult to make a lot of money in industrial, primarily because it doesn't. It takes nine months to build an industrial building. So as demand has been generated, you can supply can meet it pretty quickly. But the e-commerce demand was so uh, significant that supply just really couldn't keep up with it. That's now changing. So if you look at the fundamentals in industrial, is that supply is now catching up with the demand, and particularly in markets where you're not land constrained. So think about more rural markets, suburban markets, is supply is meeting, if not exceeding, demand. And so as we think about those types of markets, your ability to grow rents um, is going to be more challenged. It's going to be much more muted. Um, and so those types of, of assets where pricing has been 30 to 40% above replacement costs, it's going to be difficult for you to justify the, that kind of pricing. So we think that the returns for industrial are going to come back in um, and, and moderate more. By e-commerce, you mean things like logistics? And- e-commerce meaning, um, yes. So, so think about um, uh, 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 buying online, right? So it's going yeah. to be all the logistics operators who are either the retailers themselves or who are servicing the retailers okay. who are meeting the demands of the, the consumer that's buying online. So that's really the rivals to the retail. So, so absolutely the rivals to the retail. Um, you know, and you know, before I leave industrial, I think that the, the, the one um, positive note, I think very positive note in industrial and go-forward basis are these more info locations that are catering to that retailer, the logistics operators, and in the U.S. particularly, is that there's a, there's a true lack of patience. And so the delivery times are getting more and more narrow, which means you need to be closer and closer to those households. And so those markets are naturally land-constrained because they're very populated, dense centers 
Um, but yet there's a, there's a strong demand for being in those types of locations to meet these delivery needs. So the infill sector, we think, will continue to be a strong sector within industrial. We think the rest of industrial will move back into a much more moderate return profile. Right. But as far as the retail part of the sector, so you, you did come over as quite sceptical about prospects there. So, so retail is very challenged. Right, so retail today. So the, the the good that happened in industrial. We're talking about malls as well as uh, high street shops. We're talking about uh, so talk about retail in general. In the U.S., when you talk about retail, there is the, the largest component of retail is in malls, which is different than if you look at other markets around the globe. Um, is that? But what, and what we're seeing is there's an absolute bifurcation that's happening in terms of the quality of uh, in retail based upon quality of asset. Retailers are not opening up as many stores. They're being much more discerning. They're consolidating their locations. And so they're choosing locations. They're, they're, they're in doing so, they're choosing the very high-quality types of locations. The consumer is changing the, kind, the way that they spend their dollars. So successful retailers, successful retail locations have to be catering to that. So that means that they need to have more experiential retail. They need to have more food and beverage, more health and wellness, more theaters, things like that. Um, so with that said, I think that the retail environment is very challenging, picking the, picking the right locations, picking those successful locations. Um, and so, um, so with that, I think that um, the, 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 those higher-end locations are going to be stable, right? But the majority of the retail, as you look across the United States, is actually not of that caliber, Right, and so it's those types of assets that are going that you're seeing beginning to be repriced will continue to be repriced, and will continue to be repurposed, and they'll either be closed or they'll be they'll be converted to something different. Um, but that's where you're going to start. That you'll see a lot of noise and you hear a lot of challenge in the retail environment. So what uh, what trends does J.P. Morgan um, see developing responsible? investing mm-hmm. in property and also um, uh, reporting to proper reporting from the from the entities sure um, so we actually um, are, are very focused on on ESG and in fact on our platform our large core fund is the number one in the globe from an ESG perspective and all of our funds are in their top uh, top quartile as we look across the platform so we take it very seriously and the way that we think about it is as stewards of quality real estate and being fiduciary fiduciaries to our investors is that ESG is a component of, of owning and managing high quality real estate and um, and that's really how we it's just incorporated into how we do our business and so if you just sort of step back and think about from a property perspective is putting in place um, energy saving initiatives makes sense as an owner it makes sense from your tenants perspective you ultimately are reducing costs and you're saving energy over the long term so those are just sort of very smart investor things to do um, to do that well you have to have strong reporting right you need to be able to have the the, the mechanisms in place to work with your property managers to it, provide that information to your investors and so we've actually spent a lot of time putting together the right kind of reporting around the initiatives that we have in place both internally and then externally to our investors so we provide a quarterly newsletter to our investors um, and a report on what we're doing um, and different case studies. And finally, a question um, at the conference. One speaker at the conference mentioned um, that the Australian property market looked attractive in one sense, but if you 
discounted it for what was pretty widespread incentive payments. It brought it back to what he said was pretty close to the European um, returns. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're dealing with US property primarily. Um, in terms of that distortions to the, to the market, do you think that um, the US provides a very good opportunity or a moderate opportunity for investors in Australia who are now realising that the returns from Australian property are not so great. They're, they're dealing with currency issues pretty well mm-hmm. these days uh, and that Europe is, while it's attractive, it's not necessarily the um, the standout. So as we think about a port- putting a global portfolio together and sort of where the US sits is that you know, we think that you know, the Asian markets, um, and, and, and that wouldn't, I would not probably put Australia in that category, uh, but um, are going to be higher return markets, but also probably higher volatility, right? I think that you're seeing more moderating returns in Australia. Um, the U.S., we think, sits in between from a return perspective relative to sort of that APAC region and Europe from a return perspective, but yet with lower volatility relative to the, the APAC region. So that's why we think it really does bring you, you know, a good, it's a good diversifier within your portfolio. Um, I think that you know, returns have moderated in the U.S. We had double-digit returns for core real estate three years ago. Um, today, they are closer to that five to six percent, but we think that that's a st- those are, those are, we're stabilizing in that range. So what you might look at is say that's what you're projecting, and that's what Tony was talking about for Australia, is that you're going to get comparable returns but a better diversified portfolio in achieving those returns. So when you start thinking about that as you're putting, as you're looking at the benefits of, of why you would add the U.S., is that that 5 to 6% is going to have a lower risk, is a lower risk adjusted 5 to 6% than what you're getting here in Australia. And thanks very much. Thank you. That was Anne Cole from JP Morgan discussing opportunities in the U.S. property investment market. Uh, a big thank you for her t- for joining us today. This episode has been produced by Janet De Silva and Marianne Mannix-White, recorded and edited by Tyrell Mills. Of course, we would also like to thank Jared Noonan from Media Super for his assistance in the host's chair today. We hope you enjoyed the show. For more, head to newsroom.aist.asn.au. Until next time, bye for now.